So this is how we're going to start this episode off. Once again, we back with another episode of Check the Credits Podcast, where basically, you know, we show love, we pay homage, you know what I'm saying? We give props to people um, behind the scenes that work on a lot of the music that you love, from producers, engineers, songwriters, um, and pretty much just shed light, because today, the way, you know, the climate of where everything is with streaming, sometimes we don't get to know or see those credits and see who did what or who's responsible for what. So we just want to share some light. And so on this episode, um, we got a producer who's worked with the likes of Cameron, Jim Jones, Lil Wayne, uh, Jeezy, Rick Ross, K. Slay, Cannabis, uh, Joel Ortiz, R.I.P. Fred the Godson, R.I.P. K. Slay, too. That's my guy. Um, and just a lot of dope people. A.Z., a lot of dope people over the years, man. And um, just want to give, you know, the props and, and credits again. Let y'all know to check the credits. We got my boy uh, from the Heat Makers, Arsonist in the building. What's going on, my brother? I appreciate it, my brother. Thanks for having me, man. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed, man. And um, we always start out. Every show dropping, you know, information on who you work with, but um, we want to we want to tap into a little bit more as far as the credits, like what you actually did for these artists. So, if you want to expound on some of those records you did for some of those guys, well, Diplomats as a whole, that's kind of how I got my, I guess you could call it big break. The first album, Diplomatic Immunity, I did eleven records, and then uh, Joel's first album, From Me to You, I did twelve records. Um. MOP, uh, Lil Wayne, I did um I did two records on the Carter Two. Um I've done a record for Beyonce, a record called Stop Sign. I've done um Rick Ross was on his last album. I did a record on that. Um El Capo for Jim Jones. I produced everything. I executive produced it, plus I produced every record on there. Um, oh, so uh, uh Wasted Talent I executive produced for Jim Jones and I also did five records on there. Um, Joel Ortiz and, and Crooked Eye, their first matter of fact, all their projects I've done multiple records on. So, Joel Ortiz solo, I've done multiple records. R.I.P. Fred the Godson, like you said, K Slay. I had about I want to say I did three records on K Slay's first official album release that he put out. I did um I did three records on there. I've worked with Ghostface, uh, Scarface, like you said, Jeezy, <laughs> a bunch of people, man. Like it's it's too many to name, but I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy that I could still be, you know, somewhat relevant in the game today, man. So that's a fact, brother, man. I mean, you work with, I mean, some of the greats. Um, so you mentioned a little bit of your start. So was the diplomats or dipset? Was that like your first major placement, or do you have history before no, that? No, actually, it was cannabis was my first major placement. Wow. But, um, but you got to remember when we did the record for cannabis, he was um. It was kind of like it was. It, it was kind of tailing off because when Cannabis first came out, he was on fire. Of course. But then when the first album dropped, it didn't get the response that you know because the album wasn't what it was supposed to be to keep it all the way real. Yeah. And so by the time he got to his second album, which I was on, people had kind of lost their faith in Cannabis a little bit. It had a little buzz, but it gotcha. never got back to what he really was. So that's why I say Dipset was like my first real break because we just kind of took off running. You know what I mean? Like Dip said, I can't even explain what it was like. <laughs> it was, it was, it was different, man. You know what I'm saying? You know. I yeah, mean, yeah. Was, Quick yeah, question though. How did, how did that come about? Like how did you, you had, I know y'all from the Bronx. They from oh, Harlem. Like how, how did y'all connect? How yeah. Yeah. How y'all connected? 
Especially okay. with eleven joints. <laughs> yeah, there was there was a guy by the name of Renee McLean. I know Renee. He, yeah, uh, Renee. At the time, Renee was managing Cam, and okay. we went to, we went to Renee for other reasons. Not for Cam. I didn't even know he managed Cam at the time. We were trying to get. We had this group, and we were trying to get their music on the radio. And you know, Renee was that guy because he had some. Okay. Um, he yeah, had some promotion RPM, also. and yeah, he had the promotion. right exactly. So we go to his office, and then you know, at the time, like I said, we was getting some money. That's a that's for a whole another story, but. Me and my people, we were, we were getting some, like, good money. So when we, we ran into Renee, he was like, yo, what do y'all do? I said, yo, we produce. So he was like, yo, I manage Cam. Give me a CD. The CD I gave him, I want to say, there's about 20 beats on there. Eight of those beats made it to Diplomatic Immunity. And then we, we did an oh, extra wow. three. Oh, wow, you know wow. So, That's dope. That's dope. Yeah, so I actually, the crazy part is, I actually hit up, I haven't spoken to Renee in years, but I hit him up the other day just to, just to tell him thank you. Like, you know, sometimes yeah. I get in my feelings, man. I start thinking about things and I'm like, yo, certain people help me out. And I feel like, you know, I want them to know. I don't want them to feel like I'm ungrateful. So I just, I hit Renee up damn near 20 years later just to tell him thank you, man. That, that's dope. You know, again, shout out to everybody that, that helped craft the journey, man. That That's how I feel, man. Everybody played a part. You know what I mean? Everybody played a part to get us to where we at today. So it, it's all good. Some people... You know, we still in good graces with some we not, but he <laughs> not that go. Um, so I always also I wanna ask, like, what was you, I mean you got you worked with a lot of people, so what was some of your uh your 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 dope studio experiences? Like what are some like the most memorable, the ones you really like still to this day, you like, yo, that was dope. I I can't believe we did that or or you know, just the experience that you really feel. One of my most memorable studio experiences really has nothing to do with music, right? Like, so when mm -hmm. when Jim was doing Wasted Talent, originally, Wasted Talent, I didn't have any records on Wasted Talent. You know, like, Jim used to work out of my studio, but I was on the A side and Jim was on the B side, so we would kind of miss each other. So he was just making music until one day, you know, God rest Fred the Godson, he was like, yo, you heard Jim's new album? It's just all right. So I said, nah, you got an album? He said, yeah. So the next day I see Jim, I'm like, yo, I heard you got an album. I said, how come I don't got nothing on there? He was like, damn, nigga, I don't be seeing you. So I said, play it for me. So he played it for me. I said, yo, I got an idea, man. Let me let, let me make you some shit and send it to you. He was like, yo, you're not Jim. Yo, fuck it, make it. So I said, yeah. all right, cool. I, I made this, this record called Once Upon a Time. I sent it to him that night because I was tight. I'm like, how the fuck Jim putting out an album? I don't got one record on there. So I made the record that night. And I remember I sent it to Jim. He didn't respond to me. And then I, next thing I know, I look on the gram. He's in Miami recording the record. Dope. He puts it up on his gram and he's recording the record. So I'm like, all right, cool. This is the type of vibe that that I personally want to get him on. You know what I mean? That high energy type of shit. The shit that people know us for. Yeah. So that turned the, the, like to, to answer your whole question. One day I walk into the studio and Jim had like this big notepad, huge notepad, where he wrote down all the names of the songs that we that was going on Wasted Talent. Yeah. And at this point, I'm about four or five records in with him on the new Wasted Talent that we're putting together because he took certain records off, put certain records on. And at the bottom of the paper, it said executive produce exec, executive producers, Jim Jones and the Heatmakers. Mm. And that's the first time I've ever gotten credit for like you know executive production and it meant something to me you know what i mean even though i did Dipl i did 11 records on diplomatic community 12 records off from me to you yeah you that's know crazy. little wayne yeah. this was it was like that was a special moment for me because it was almost like i was getting my recognition after 20 plus <laughs> 20 years. years yeah 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 right but i mean 
again, it came at the right time because huh. I, I tell people all the time, I used to just make beats. I became a producer later in life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we all started that way. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, some people, even to this day, they care about how good the beat is. Like, <laughs> yeah. I want to make a dope beat, too. Don't get me wrong. But the artist fitting on the beat is more important to me than just making a, a great beat. You know what I'm saying? Exactly, exactly. So like I said, I feel like, you know, around the time of Wasted Talent and Diplomatic Ties and El Capo, I feel like I really became a producer. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't get me wrong, I produced over the years, but like, I feel like I'm really in my pocket right now. You know what I'm saying? And production-wise. Of course, man. That's why I always tell people, you know, especially the more experienced, this ain't like playing basketball, football, or boxing or something. You don't have to really be physically in shape to get sharper and keep growing. As you get, you know, you have more experiences, you learn more, all of that helps with the growth of your production, with your songwriter, all that makes you better with time. It's, you know, so when you hear, when I hear people like, you're too old to do this or too old to make music, I'm like, that that don't really make sense when it yeah, comes they, to music. They, they, like, they, <laughs> they thinking about their own, you know what I mean, their own limitations. Exactly. This isn't exactly. like you said. This isn't a physical sport. I can yeah. understand if we playing football and I'm 45. You're like, damn, nigga, you too old. Then you got a point. Yeah. This, this is music. Like the producer yeah. has no face at the end of the day. When you hear a when you hear a beat come out, you don't know if the dude is 85 or 18. <laughs> exactly. You don't know. Exactly. Who was on that vibe that day? Word, word, word. Um, I know a lot and a good majority of your production is sample based. You know what I mean? Um, what do you, what do you prefer? Do you prefer digging through the crates and getting the samples, original music? Like what, what's, what's your preference? It, it depends what the situation calls for. You know, like a lot of people think all I do is sample, but I don't like, I'm so seasoned with it now. I can make it feel like a sample and it's not because I know, I know what my sound is and I don't stray away from my sound. So I know people still want that soulful sample feel so i can give them that without sampling it just depends like the other day i did a um sony hit me up about doing a, a ladies fifa commercial right you know obviously i can't sample so i put you know i put a couple different things together sent it to them they loved it you know so it's for me it's just about just delivering for what the the, the circumstance calls for you know what I'm saying? Yeah. If it's a sample, I'm going to do that. If it's not a sample, I mean, obviously, I love the sample because I came up on that. Yeah. But again, now I'm a, I'm a producer, so I look at things different. I just look at it like, okay, cool. I can get the same feeling across without sampling. It might take me a little longer, but at the end of the day, sometimes, you know, you got to do that. Yeah. Okay. And so I remember the time, like, you know, when, like you're saying, that during the whole diplomatic immunity, um, just the whole dipset era with the production y'all was doing, um, I think something that you did that doesn't get a lot of, you know, it's not really recognized in my opinion. I don't hear a lot of people talking about it, but I feel like you guys were the first ones musically and sonically to bridge the gap between the East Coast and Southern Bounce, where it still was like, you know, you got, I, I can't even say that Southern. When Biggie did it with um, Bone Thugs, it was kind of like, it was a bounce, yeah, but, but it, it was, wasn't. It was, it was, let me tell you why I think it's different, man. I'm happy that you said that because sometimes I'll say this in a, conversation with other producers and they'll look at me like I'm bugging. Nah. I feel like I feel like I helped to influence trap. And I'm gonna tell you why I say 1, 000%, that. 1000%. 1000%. Listen to if you listen to Postman by Joel's, this is before trap music was out, right? Yeah. 
Keep in mind the bounce on that. Wait a minute, Mr. Mr. That's trap without the yeah. weights. That you understand? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm saying all that to say it's not coincidental that trap rise from the ashes or I mean rose from the ashes around that time. Yeah. Because that's the type you think about killer cam. Like I like not saying just me, I don't want to take the credit for it, but when music was in the 90 BPMs, 95 BPMs. I was doing dipset records that was 75 BPM. Yep. Fucking some of them was 69. I was doing Yeah, because you double time like, it. Yeah. Shit. yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? With people looking at me like, how the fuck they rap to that? But to <laughs> me, like, think about the Temple One trap. What is it? Like 61 30, 65 yeah. time. You know so what I mean? You, like, yeah, when you flip that, when you double time it, that's what it is. Yeah, that's what, yeah. that's what I'm saying to you. So now you and remember how I used to do my hi-hats. My hi-hats was like that. Signature, yeah. right? So, that, so, so I'm saying all that to say I know I had a hand in that somehow. They won't give me credit for it, cool. But the people <laughs> that know, know. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, no, that that's a fact. That's that's definitely a fact, bro. And um, I think that kind of made it a lot. You know, again, made it easier to, to bridge the gap. And you know, as the internet exploded and um, music no longer became like you know, we came up. It was songs that were regional, even if they were big. It was just like. I would go down south and hear certain music. You go to New York, you go to Cali, you hear different music and vibes. But when the internet came, it kind of like leveled the playing field because you're getting everything at the same time. Yeah, and infused everything. So I feel like y'all was definitely like, you know, the ones to kind of start and bridge that. And and and, and it's and, not and recognizing enough. Cam, but I got to shout out Cam because you got to remember Cam was in Ohio. Cam was in different places with Dipset music. You know what I'm saying? So, like, we were getting love from places that the average New York rapper never got love from. To this day, it's, to this day it's still like that. I, like, it sounds weird. Like, I got a huge fan base in fucking Africa. I got a huge fan base in, in Germany. Like, it's... And it bugs me out because I've never been to Germany. I've never been to Africa. So, for people to hit me from different countries to just show love is, 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 is different, man. It's different. Nah. Nah, that's a fact, bro. Um, so I know you in it in this day and age, it's a lot of well, let me let me bring something back real quick. So when we see I saw a clip not too long ago, it was like a, a promo clip, and Jim Jones was like, um, heat makers is plural. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? But shouting you out like yo, it's, but his awesome is making those beats. So I do remember at a time earlier on, it was I don't know if it was three, four, I don't know how many of y'all it was. was yeah, it, it was, was about it, I think it took like heat makers was Two people that made beats up until 2007, right? My partner, okay. shout out to my partner, Thriller. We still cool. Thriller doesn't really make music no more. He had moved on to like real estate stuff and things like that. Okay, okay. But yeah, there were there 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 was me and Thriller up until 2007. After that, it's just been me. So anything okay. you've heard after 2007, it was all was arsonist by himself. Wow, wow, that's a that, that's a lot. And so I I bring that up to say. Um, today you see a lot of producer collaborations, a lot, especially amongst the younger guys. Um, is that something like, are you open to that or do you like, yo, I can handle it. I got it. Or are you a person that's like, if it called for collaborating, you'd be open to collaborating. Nah, I'm, I'm good on that, man. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell, tell you why I say that. You, like making music is something personal. You understand? Like. If I'm happy, like, I don't make music based on the projects I'm doing. I make music based on how I feel when I walk into the studio. Gotcha. You understand? So if I walk into the studio, I'm having one of the worst days of my life, and I want to make something painful. And now I'm collaborating with a guy who's having the best day of his life, and, <laughs> and he wants to take us to the club. Yeah. It's not going to work. 
Nah. You understand? And to me, it's like, I'm a fan of other producers. So, like, I don't want to hear Timbaland um, collaborate with Pharrell. <laughs> I don't want to hear, like, I, you understand? Like, yeah. certain things to me should just be left the way they are. Like, I, I, the music industry right now, the, the crazy part about it is they feel like, yo, why hasn't Pharrell done a record with Wu-Tang? Yo, why? It's like certain things shouldn't <laughs> be done. You understand? Like, certain things you leave alone. It's like, that doesn't yeah. call for that. Yeah, and that's the problem. You know, you know what it is too, man. A lot of people are collaborating to get placements. I was just about to say. I think it's more so of that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, more of so of that now. now. Yeah. Now here's the question they don't ask themselves. You got three people collaborating on one beat. Mm. There might be a sample in the mix somewhere. So now you get the record placed with uh, ain't name anybody with Future. So now yeah. you got a record placed with Future that. The sample's gonna take what it take. Now you gotta bust it down amongst three niggas. It's like, what are we doing here, man? Like, are we? Yeah, you yeah, understand? Yeah. Like, you want the placement that bad? I, I can't yeah. do that. That's not. That's not my thing. Yeah, we were just talking about this the other day, and the studio's like, "Yo, it's it's certain records that got like thirty collaborators, twenty collaborators." I'm like, "That's crazy. Like, it, it just doesn't really make sense." And it's not a. It's not necessary. I was. A, and I'll I'll tell you this off air, but I'll just say this <laughs> on air, right? I was a part of a Kanye record that had so many co-producers. I told them to take me off of it. <laughs> and niggas think niggas think I'm bugging. They like, yo, you don't even want that plaque? No, I don't want none of that because the final yeah. record sounded nothing like what I gave to you. So I'm not gonna wow. take credit for somebody else's work. That's not my work. Like, take my name off. Yeah. Of and when I tell you off air what record is, you're gonna be like, yo, you're bugging. But I. I'm I'm different when it comes to, like, perfect example. This is how I look at music, right? I look at music like when archaeologists find, when they find dinosaur bones and they study them and they tell you what type of dinosaur this was. That's what our music is going to be. You understand? So when I'm Facts. long gone and they listen to my music, I don't want it convoluted with 20 other producers. It was me. So when you listen to it, you know exactly what I was about. What I liked, what I didn't like, you you know me by my music because my music isn't tainted with nobody else. You understand? So I look at it from that level. Yeah, I always felt like even when you talk about, like, again, you have a signature sound. You know what I mean? So when you look at producers who have signature sounds, whether they use people to help come up with that sound or not, you know what I mean, necessarily, like musicians, what have you, I still feel like they hone in on that sound and that's what it is. So it's not necessary to kind of have to put a whole, you know, a collection of multiple different people, especially people that ain't even on the same page, like you just said. If they, if you're a part of a camp, like you're saying, I started out in a production team, so it was a few of us. But a lot of times, we individually did our beats. We might have had one guy sprinkle something here or sprinkle something there. But Let me tell you something. When I worked with Thriller, we never made beats together. He made his, I made mine. I'm, he might have put a bass line on mine, or might put a, I might have put a bass line, but simple shit. You understand? Because I didn't want to, I didn't want to taint the feel he had. He didn't want to taint the feel that I had. So we just, we worked individually, you know what I'm saying? Which worked out yeah. for the best. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a better way. And I think that's kind of how you keep a sound. Today's music, it's ironic with so many people collaborating and all the music sounds the same. That's crazy to me, right? You got 30 niggas on one beat, but damn near every beat sound the same. Nobody wants to step on the other guy's toes. <laughs> like, nobody wants to be the alpha male in the room and say, yo, yeah. listen, that's corny. We're not doing that. <laughs> you understand? Because what happens is yeah. if you're in a room with five people and four out of the five except you, everybody else except you is going crazy over this melody somebody played, but you don't like it, 
you might go along with it because you kind of like, maybe I'm bugging. Yeah, Everybody else yeah. think it's fire. And if you say yeah. something, you don't want to feel like the hater, like, yo, look at this dude. And you don't like shit. I'm yeah. picky when it comes to music, so it's hard for me to work with other people and get exactly what I like. You know what I'm saying? For, for me. But some people don't understand it. They look at it like, oh, he on his shit. He don't want to. <laughs> nah, I'm just, I've never been about that. Like Jim, yeah. uh, per, uh, quick story. So Jim hits me one day and he's like, yo, I got my man. He wants to, um, he's been wanting to work with you. He's from Atlanta. So I'm like, I bet. Give him my number. So the dude calls me. The first line out of the dude's mouth is, yeah, what's up, man? Yeah, Jim told me you hard to work with, but you know, and I'm just like, <laughs> I realize what it is, though. Jim feels like I'm hard to work with sometimes because I speak my piece. Like, As if I don't should. like something that he might say, I, I might disagree. And he does the same thing with me, obviously, but I feel like that's why we make great music, because neither one of us fold. It's kind of like, all right, he want to do that, I want to do this. Whoever makes the most sense, that's who's going to win. Exactly. It's not about, yo, you jam, I'm going to let you keep that, or it's not about your, your artist, I'm going to let you... Nah, it's like, we both have the same mission for the best record. That That's the end result. Yeah, and I, I was talking about that with somebody, too, how... And you know, I I I definitely kind of would know your your uh, take on this, but working in a studio versus sending beats to people and not being a part of the process is like when you remove us and you say, okay, I'm just gonna take your beat and I'm gonna add this other producer. Or I'm gonna do this. Do I think that that kind of hurts the overall goal? If the goal is to make the best record, why wouldn't you want the person who gave you something that gave you the foundation of what you're even going to make a song offer not to be a part of the finished product? Like, that makes no sense. I'm going to tell you how strongly I feel about that is that we were, I want to say, 95% done with El Capo. And Jim hit me like, yo, this other producer sent a beat and he wants to put it on there. And I'm like, yo, Jim, I'll scrap this whole album. And he's like, I don't, you're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I just made a masterpiece with you and you gonna now you're gonna say like you understand now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 yeah. and the other producer who it was, I think he's a dope producer. But for me it's like, nah, like or I had a vision with this and I'm almost complete. You know what I mean? That's like I'm painting a picture and then somebody comes by and just throws a paint stroke across the like, nah, we not doing that. This is like that was like El Capo was personal to me. And I couldn't really have another producer try to, you know, throw his vibe in there with the work. I get that, man. Um, and so I watch you follow you on Instagram. I um still on the NPC. So my question I ask, my 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 nerd question I always ask is what's your software versus hardware? Where you stand? Um when it comes to like a uh like like you know sequencer beat machine type of thing, hardware for me. You know what I'm saying? But of course, you know, like, I remember the days of having, like, like a rack full of, like, different sound modules. I don't miss that. So software in that sense, you know what I'm saying? When it comes to VST, software for a fact. Like, matter of fact, before I got on this, I was just downloading some new plugins I just bought. So definitely software when it comes to that. But as far as me making a beat and hitting the pads, I got to physically be able to touch the pads to, to get the vibe that I want. You know what I'm saying? I can make a beat and, and place the drums and shit like that, but that's it don't give me the same feel as hitting the pads and choosing the next sound and uploading the sounds into the pad. And it's just a, it's just a feel that I've been accustomed to for the last 20 years, and it's hard for me to, to break that, you know what I'm saying? But the other things I've updated as far as, like, 
you know, like I said, the different, you know, sound modules and plugins, I definitely prefer, prefer software in that case. Got you, got you, man. Um, and so what do you what do you prefer since you've been around I mean you've been around for a minute, so you've experienced the highs of the major label experience, but you also working with, you know, artists like like you're saying with Jim and, and Fred and different people who are kind of um, you know, ran the lines of the independent scene. What do you prefer on on that side, the major or the independent, like I'm gonna tell you what I found out yesterday, and this is gonna this might make it so that you never ask that question to anybody, right? Nobody's independent, man. They could lie to you and tell you they are. Not one artist out here is independent. I'm going to tell you why. There's about, what, three major labels left? Yeah. About that? All of them own a majority stake in all of these streaming platforms. So Universal has 60% of Spotify. Fucking this other label has 70% of Apple Music. You understand? What, what I'm trying to say to you is we're not independent. We might think we are, but we're not. Every record that we put out, whether it's from our bedroom or not, Universal's getting a piece. Uh, Interscope is getting a piece. Whoever, you understand, all the labels that's left, Atlantic is getting a piece because they all bought into these streaming platforms the way we push our music. So if they own that, do you think they're going to give us the advantage to beat their artists? Of course not. So, right, so my answer to that question is, you might, if you can't beat them, you might as well join them at this point. Because if you're looking for the two, three hundred, four hundred playlist after you put your song out, it's hard to do it independent. You need that that label that controls this platform to say, "All right, cool. You know what? Show this record some love. He's with us now." Because that's essentially what happens. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yo, he part of the team. Show him love. <laughs> yeah, that's that's when they push the button, so to speak. Yeah. Right. I've given up that whole, I've given up that whole, ind not saying independent mind frame. I still have the independent mind frame, but I've given up that chase for like, we're going to do this independent and we're going to maximize everything. It don't work like that. Like me and Jim being able to catch over a hundred million streams on El Capo is like lightning in a bottle. That wasn't supposed yeah, to happen. We, we, we didn't have any major label behind us, but here's the other side. Imagine if we did what that album does. What exactly? You understand? Like we don't get me wrong, we did really well on El Capo. You know what I'm saying? But imagine if there was an Atlantic or a Universal Records behind it to say, "All right, cool, you guys sold a hundred thousand copies by yourself." <laughs> imagine if we took over. Yeah, we talking about two, three million. Easy. You understand? It's, it's a difference. Let me tell you something. What I just what I just told you fucked me up for weeks, man. Like when I really started to digest the information that I just told you, yeah. we we're in a worse position now than we were when there were physical copies on the shelf. Like let that digest for a minute. We're in a worse situation now. We don't even know the price of music. It changes up depending on the platform. So what's the real price of what's the real price of a song? Nobody knows. It's whatever whatever they feel like making it. And nobody questions this shit. Nobody. It's just kind of like one of those things that it's like it's happening. Everybody else cool with it, so I guess I got to be cool with it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think um, it's it's like for me, it's like it's it's it's, it's kind of weird. Sometimes I look at it from that perspective, like it's bad. But you know, I think the opportunity and the options that people have now uh, is a, it's a lot it's a lot better when you understand it. The only opportunity to me here's the, here's the here's the bright side. We can. 
we have access to the world in the palm of our hand with our phone, right? So if we put out a song, we can get it all across, at least what we think all across the world within a matter of minutes, right? That's the upside. But the flip side of it is, if I'm doing millions of streams, hundreds of millions of streams, and the and the 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 money don't really add up the way that it's supposed. Not saying that the money's not good. The money's cool, but at the end of the day, I know it's more than that because how does Spotify get paid? Spotify gets paid from advertisements. Advertisers pay more depending on the traffic. The traffic is driven by the music, right? So if your advertisement dollars go up, shouldn't your payment for the music be more that's driving the advertisement dollars? But that doesn't happen. That's that's where I'm saying the problem is that is that the thing that you're using to make money when it makes you money, you don't put more money back into that thing. You just keep taking from that thing. Like our our percentage per play hasn't raised in years. Yeah, but I feel like that's even before we had it. Like the 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 royalty rates and the and the, and the percentages were the same way. We was we was kind of confined to set numbers. They didn't really. It was better because I think the concept to people because you can physically see it. So I think it makes more sense in that sense but to the people. The numbers were the numbers were fixed. That's the difference. You understand? Mm-hmm. Like a CD was ten ninety nine, thirteen ninety nine, whatever it was. The number was fixed. So we know. Okay, cool. If I sold a million copies at ten dollars a piece, ten million. We know that. Now we don't know anymore. Now we got to take their word for it. But even then, even in that time period, based on how your deal was structured, you you, you could think it was going to be that simple math, but it was never that. It was never been that simple math no, because they've because always been able to figure. Per- yeah, they've always been able to finagle it. I was saying percentage wise, you know, we were getting jerked. It might be like a eighty-eight twelve split back then, eighty-eight for the label, right? Mm-hmm. But now we get okay, we get ninety ten. But how does how does one streaming platform pay you this amount, another one pays you this amount, and then the third one pays you, like, how does that work that my music is worth something different from platform to platform? I've never understood that. It's the same yeah. song. Yeah, no, I'm saying they've always had a way to gauge it, to keep it, you know, like, it, for for years, remember the, the, the thing was publishing. Once people start to figure out and understand publishing, now it's like they don't care about publishing. Now, now you hear the conversation of masters. Now you hear the right. conversation of independence. So I think... They've always, because it's their industry. We don't own it. We don't control it. So we're never really going to be able. I mean, that's the, the world we in. So we never really going to be able to do it. It's just like figuring out what works the best for you. So if you can go in and I, I believe the end goal still is to partner with a major. I, I think anybody that doesn't right. have that as their end goal is crazy because you can make way more money being a part of a corporate right. you know, and now, situation. And now, and, you're, and, now you're into their little secret shit. You understand? It's yeah. like now you're. They'll teach you all the secret shit, like how to get on these playlists, how to stay relevant for this amount of years. It's just like you look at Cash Money. They've had yeah. their partnership with Universal for the longest, and it works <laughs> out for them. They've made Universal yeah. billions. Universal is giving them back billions. It's like it yeah. works. Yeah. So that's what I say. I, I, don't, I don't, you know, I, I'm not a, oh, you got to stay independent to the end. I tell even independent artists I work with and I help them, I try to give them a lot of game and information, but I tell them all. They all say, can you stay independent forever? And they'll, you know, they'll point out, you know, tech nine or somebody. I'm like, yeah, that's a rarity, bro. That's not, that's not common. Like you, yeah, you're never going to see, like you just name one person. You can't name 
20 of those. You can't name five. You can't name five of them, to be honest. That's at that level right. of success and can and maintain. All, so all Tech Nine Tech Nine adopted the, the methods of a label. He he hired the right people for the right people. jobs. That's all labels <laughs> yeah. do. They outsource. Yeah, especially a now. A big company that outsources. Yeah, they have they have systems in places in place. They have the capital. And right. you know they've been around forever, so every they got radio on Smash. They got the now they got the playlists on Smash. They got the they got everything. You know yeah, media. They, they, they have the it. partnerships, the brands. Yeah, so they control it. So of course yeah, you know. It, so you when know. I hear, yeah, when I hear people with the whole I'm a independent, independent, I, I get it. I'm for that. I understand it. But I I know the end goal in anything is you want to make the most money you can. So and the only yeah, way to make yeah. the most money you can is to ultimately partner people who have the resources to make you more money. Right. And even if, even if you had the money, right? What I just said, independence doesn't exist in the music game. We've been, we've been led to believe that it does, but it doesn't. They own the shit that we think is independent. How can we be independent if they own the shit that, that we play our music through? You understand? That means that if they don't fuck with you, they can say, you know what? Mute his shit. Silence him a little bit on this site. Don't show him no love. Like, make it hard for people to find him in the algorithm. They can do all of that. So how can you truly say you're independent when you're at the mercy of these labels anyway? Nobody. So what I figured out in the last month and a half is that there is no such thing as independence. We are still working for these labels, whether we like it or not. Fact. Sad to say, when, but when that's you, the truth. Yeah. Is, is now is it just like you're just doing what you want to do? It's not like you're conforming to anything necessarily. Like, yeah. are you... A million percent. I, I've like I've adapted the I've adopted the method of just like working and then when you make good enough shit, people come to you. Gotcha. You. you know what I mean? Like I feel like when you chase people they run faster. <laughs> but when you when you stay and you do your thing, you perfect your craft, they kinda watch you from afar and they like, Oh shit, like you know what, yo, I gotta work with homeboy. You know, I forgot about that. You nice, you know, and it's just always like that because I know myself. I like to notice people as opposed to them trying to sell themselves to me. Like, yo, listen, I'm nice. I do this. I do that. It's like, if you're everything you say you are, I'm going to hear that and I'll know that without you having to say anything. When you sell yourself to people, man, you got to deliver in the craziest way because my expectations are through the roof. If you say you're the nicest ever, <laughs> you got to prove that to me now. Now my yeah, expectations nah. is up. You know nah, what I'm saying? So I just tell anybody, stay away from that shit, man. If you good... Do what you do and people will notice. You don't got to sell yourself like that. Like, yo, I'm the best shit ever. If you work with me, this is going to happen for your life. Like, I get it. I heard it a million times. You're going to change my life, my grandkids' <laughs> life, my great grand. Like, you're just the best rapper alive. I get it. You know, God. people don't understand that you've heard that story a million times. Come on, bro. So, also, I, I've never really, I know y'all did a lot of production for people, and I know even with the Dipsets kind of in-house, have you ever considered starting your own necessarily label production company in a sense of like putting out artists and, and furnishing their services, the labels or different things of that nature? I, I've gotten multiple artist deals that I worked with. I don't really like, see, here's the thing, man. It's like signing an artist is a, and I'm sure you know this, man. Signing yeah. an artist is, is like you signing on to be a father, a brother, yes. uncle, a, a fucking, a, a, a bank. <laughs> Uh, you understand? It's, it's, a, it's, a lot, it's a lot of shit. Yeah. So, right. And then if they're not the type of person that's built to handle all of this shit, then it's like you're building up something that's going to crumble in a second. So for me, 
I got to really know you as an artist now if I'm going to try to either do work. Now, when I say do work with you, I mean like on a long-term basis. I got to yeah. know that outside of being talented, you're just a solid person. You yeah. know what I mean? Because most of the talented people I've met, that's cool. Talent is one thing, man. But if, you, if you're not a solid individual, it don't really, nothing else don't mean nothing. Because I can get you to the point where you're going to get a deal. This person, you know, likes your music, loves your music, whatever the case is. And then you could just be a dickhead. <laughs> so all our work went to, you understand? Which has happened yeah. to me on, on several occasions. It's like, everybody's cool when they don't got no money in their pocket. <laughs> everybody. So. Everybody. So. Let me tell you something. Two broke niggas could be the best, could be best friends forever. Because they don't need shit from each other. The minute one nigga get another dollar that the other nigga don't have, that's when you start to see who's who. So I'm I'm saying all that to say with these artists, when they didn't have shit, they were the best people on planet Earth, right? But the minute that you put them in a situation where they feel like this person loves them, this person want to give them a deal, something something clicks in their brain that like I don't really need this dude. Like I'm 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 where I wanted to be. Like he's just extra baggage at this point, and. I can't be around those type of people because I've learned that as fast as you get it, you lose it even faster if you're not doing the right thing. You know what I'm saying? And I don't mean doing the right thing like investment. I just mean if you're not a good person, the money runs from you, man. Like I can't describe it to you. Like a lot of the fucked up dudes that you know that have bread, you don't know what they're doing to keep it is my point. The people that you see chilling and got bread and ain't worried about nothing, they've done good things in their life whether you know it or not. You know what I'm saying? Money don't stay with fucked up people too long. <laughs> nah, that's a fact. Trust it's me. Just, it's, the, it's the basis of karma, bro. I'm not saying so, they won't get it. Yeah, you, you, everybody will yeah. get it. They won't keep it. Keep it. You won't be able to sustain it. Right. And so, um, so in this era of the beat stores with like beat stars and, and Airbit and all of this stuff. With I hate all of them, <laughs> I hate all of them. I'll keep it what? real with you. I hate all of them. I just hate them because I feel like like <laughs> we're selling ourselves short as producers, man. Like, do you know how much money we generate in this music industry? Like, imagine a music industry with no music. No, no beats, no, no acoustic shit, no yeah, you understand? Yeah. It couldn't exist. So when we make things like beat stars and this, that, and the third, and we selling beats for fifty dollars for the lease and a hundred dollars to buy it right out, like what are we doing? Like, music makes the world go around. Treat yourself like that. Don't treat yourself mm. like, yo, I got to pay my phone bill. Let me get on BeatStars and sell this beat real quick. Nah, <laughs> this, it ain't about that. To me, it's like, you're cutting your, like you're selling yourself so short by thinking like that. I'm not saying that, you know, some producers might say, yo, I don't have an outlet like you. Well, nigga, I didn't have an outlet at first either. You know what I'm saying? Like, I had to create an outlet. But that's the beauty of what we're doing is figuring these things out. How do I create an outlet? How do I build relationships? How do I make people want to fuck with me? Like this, I'm assuming I, I haven't been to Beat Stars in in years, probably. I, yeah. you know, my, my homeboy showed it to me at one point, but I'm assuming there's thousands of producers on there. Am I am I correct? Yeah, I mean, I yeah, yeah, yeah. So to me, it's like, what do you think is gonna happen in a in a in a pool full of, like, it's just like you're one more shark added to a pool of a thousand sharks. Like, don't you think you stand a better chance on the outside? You still have to work on that platform as well. It's not everybody on there is not selling five thousand no. dollars worth of beats a month. Yeah, exactly. No, so it's not that's like the, that's the point. Yeah. That's the point that I'm making. Is yeah, you're, you're in the same fight over there, except you're accepting less. 
you're Less better off to be in this fight. So even if you even if you catch one, you get more bread. Yeah. Cause they got I guarantee you on Beat Stars, niggas gonna try to drew you down. Like, yo, you can't <laughs> damn bro, $70? You you can't you can't do it for 60 and just let me go. I don't yeah, want to be that... a part of that. Like, you understand? Like, I work too hard to do that now, like to go back to that now. You know what I'm saying? So, but to each his own, man. I don't want to, I don't want to crush nobody's, you know, shit that's on there. But I'm just saying. Yeah, I see, I see both sides. I see both sides. I, I ain't gonna hold you. I do see both sides, but also coming up in the era, I was affected by stuff like that. You know, we went from I, mean, I don't know what the, the number is now, but I know I went from getting twenty thousand a beat to you know, you barely could get somebody to give you 1500 2500 from a label because they right. had so much access to beats and sound click and all this other shit. And right, but see, here's the thing, too. And this is where it goes back to being off of those shits because mm -hmm. anybody that comes to work with me, they understand, okay, this nigga's asking for a certain amount. It's either I give it to him or I might never see him again. Because he, <laughs> he doesn't work with everybody. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. If you really want to get an official heat maker's beat, you're in front of the guy right now. What are you going to do? You're going to yeah. miss the opportunity. And you probably you understand. Like, so I keep it that way because if you could get a heat makers beat on every corner, it ain't worth nothing. Yeah. But people understand when I come to this dude, regardless of what he's charging, I know his work already. I'm a fuck with him. You know what I'm saying? So, and you're right. You know, years ago, you could say, all right, cool, 30, 40,000 for a beat, depending on the artist, and they wouldn't blink an eye and you get paid. Yeah. Now it's more so. Okay, cool. Instead of forty, let me find, let me find eight niggas that got five. Yeah, you understand? Like, yeah, that's my approach now because because of the the shit has changed as far as like music programs and software. I make music so fast that I don't look at it like I gotta hold on to this beat and get the most for it. Yeah. Nah, nigga, I make too much. Yeah. If I can get these five off, nigga, and get a quick twenty five, thirty thousand, cool, we good. We on to the next part. You understand? Like. It's yeah. a different hustle now. I have to change my mind frame. I know some producers that still caught in the mind frame of, yo, if the nigga don't got at least 10,000, I'm not doing it. That's cool. <laughs> but good luck finding the niggas that got 10 on an everyday basis. You understand? I've just been lucky enough to have like a, a nice clientele of people that they know my prices. They cool with it. We work on a consistent basis. I get my major label placements every now and again. I'm not even chasing that. But if it happens, it happens. And... I'm 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 good, man. I can't even lie to you. Like I don't have any complaints. I sell music. I sell I sell multiple beats weekly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I have gotcha. no I have no issues with, with with shit like that. Got you, got you, man. That, that that's that's a blessing, man. Because that that hasn't been the path for everybody. But I think again, something that you mentioned is uh, how you deal with people, your relationships, how you build those things. Um, and, and, and also being tied to a lot of great things and early on in your career. One thing I always, you know, I've had multiple managers and different, um, partners over the years. And I think one of the, the things that I, I didn't learn earlier on from them, because I was following from them and how they were doing things. I didn't learn how to, you know, at that time, I, I know now, obviously, but then I didn't know how to forge the relationships and build and, and do all right. that. And I would I would turn down opportunities because they were chasing the check versus, right. you know, when you get when you when you get in the game and you understand the opportunity might be better than the check. You know, what I mean, you might take right. a, a, a smaller check to be on this person's album, but that album may again, you get right. money for 20, and 30 years down the road. You build a future relationship. So exactly. it's like, even exactly. if you take less for this album. A good person is going to remember that. Like, you know what? 
he did me a favor on this album. I got him on three records on the next album. And I'm going to pay him his regular rate. You understand? Like, so to me, again, the one thing that I, I have learned is, is how to nurture relationships. Like, I, you know, I'd have a bunch of people numbers in my phone. I'd only hit them when I wanted shit. Then I started to realize, like, you know what, man? Like, if everybody feel the way that I feel. Sometimes you got to check in on niggas' families. How you doing? Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Facts. how you been? You why? Even if you don't want shit, just... So when you do need something, it doesn't seem like you're just a like a taker all the time. Like, I need something. I need something. It's like, nah, you know, R checks on me every every two to three weeks to see if I'm good, if my family good. So now it makes business smoother. You know what I'm saying? But I only do that with people that I genuinely fuck with because I got to really like you as a person to to even want to keep the relationship. You know sure. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's 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 the relationship I had with Slay, man. Rest in peace to Slay. That was um, my brother, man. Slay, yeah, like, Slay got me on Little Flip's album. I, I'll never forget that. I was working on Slay's album. He was like, yo, you just shipping Flip? I'm like, nah, I don't know Flip. He's like, yo, hold on one second. He made a phone call. He was in Sony Studios. He made a phone call. He was like, yo, he said, yo, um, he said, Dino went, Dino went and, and flip downstairs, go downstairs, play him some music. I go down to the to the like the basement of Sony at the time where they had like the E room and all that shit. And I played, I remember I played Flip some shit and they bought the beat right on the spot. You know, dope. we did the paperwork like the next day or whatever. And then, you know, I, I got, ended up getting the money in like another 15 days or whatever. But Slay made that happen. And he didn't yeah. have to, you know what I mean? Just like yeah. a good dude. Slay has always been. Always. Always been a good dude, man. Always, man. He came, um, this when he was managed by Violator. We was in the office and he had he had asked for a record for, originally, yeah, I think he said Faith and whoever. I, I can't remember who was going to be on it. And right. we, I played him one beat. I didn't play him a bunch of beats. I played him one beat. He was like, "That's it." He started call, making the calls of who he wanted on the record. Then and um, he was definitely gonna get whoever he said he was who gonna he get on said. That that's what it was. And he wound up getting uh, a Marie. It was Nas, a Marie, baby, and Foxy that's Brown right. ended up being on the joint. Um, too much for me joint. That's and right. um, I played some more beats. I went back up there, played some more beats. He said, look, I don't have no more, but I think Joey IE was working with him too at the time. He said, yeah, DC, he managed me at one point. Joey IE and Todd Markowitz. Yeah, yeah. He said, I don't have no more budget, but I need this beat. I said, yeah, bro, I don't know how we going to work that <laughs> out. <said, "But> <laughs> he said, yo, Chop, you hold this beat for me. I got you. He said, uh, I can't, I can't pay for it right now, but I, I'm, I, and I want to use it on my next album. This is he's doing Street Sweeper One. He's saying hold it to my yeah. next album. So I'm really like, bro, I don't know if we could do that like that. I don't, I don't know, but I did it anyway, and wound up, it wound up being a record with him, Fat Joe, the R&B singer Joe and Joe Button called Not Your Average Joe, and he said that. Oh yeah, I remember that. I remember yeah. that. I remember At that, that time, he said, I'm gonna put Joe Button. I know Joe Button wasn't hot. It wasn't even out yet. It was just. Fat Joe and Joe on it originally. And then when Joe yeah. Button came out with Pump It Up, he's like, I'm gonna put Joe Button on it. And everything he said, he kept his word and was always a cool dude. Always reached out to me for records, bro. So shout out to Slay, man, like that. Um, so I mean, bringing us up uh today, today. I mean, I know you you current is as current can be, but um <laughs> what you got man. going on right now? Nah, you ain't trying. You you current is current. I, I actually, can be. Um there's there's a project that I'm doing with probably one of you know I can't really say right now but it's one, probably one of your favorite artists. We are doing a project together like every record, ah. like, kind of like how I did El Capo with Jim. With Jim. This is another artist that everybody loves, and it makes perfect sense for him and Heatmakers to do a project together. So you'll hear about okay. it soon enough. I just can't say it yet because he want to keep it low. But no, I got um, you. It's gonna be it's gonna be special, man. It's gonna be special. I think this might be. 
one of my greatest works to date, man, when it's um when it's all said and done. And oh, I said when man. I said that about El Capo, people looked at me like I was bugging. But then after they heard it, they said, Yeah, I see what you was talking about. And I think if this lines up the way that it should, then this is gonna this is gonna rival that for like probably my best work. You know what I'm saying? Word, word, because that's that is some 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 amazing music on there. And Jim stepped it all the way up. You know, it's, it's kind of hard not to. If you got the right foundation musically, you know, it's, it's sink or swim. You know what I mean? And and if, right. and if you in there with somebody and you know what's right and what's good. And and me and Jim got years, man. You got to remember, me and Jim, I've, known, I've known Jim now for, this makes 20, 22 years I've been around yeah. Jim. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So if we can't, if we can't make a cohesive <laughs> project after 20 something years, then we don't deserve <laughs> to be around each other. You know what I'm saying? Nah, that, <laughs> nah that's a fact, man. So, man, anybody out there that's trying to reach out to get that heat maker sound to get with Arson is where they could tap in with you at, brother. Just um, just hit me right on the gram, man. Official heat makers, just DM me and just be serious, man. You know, a lot of people hit you and then you tell them what yeah. you charge and they like, damn, like you can't look out. Like <laughs> I'm not. I'm past the stages of trying to look out for you, man. Like I put in my right. work. If you can't afford it, it's cool. I'm not, I don't knock anybody that can't afford it. I'm just saying that there's different levels to it. You know what I'm saying? Like when you first start playing ball, you don't play ball in the garden. Yeah, you got to start yeah, in the park. Fact. And work your way up through all the all the other gyms until you get to the garden. And it's like, I did that. So now that I'm in the garden, you can't expect me to come back down to the park. And you understand, like, so you know, as long as people understand that they don't look at it like I'm trying to be, I'm not trying to be nothing. I just understand the work that I put in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and your value, and you know your worth, and you know your value. You, you, you've been in the game for years. You understand what you have to go through and, and the shit you have to deal with. So when people try to shortchange you and you say no. They can't look at you no way because you put your work and you won't accept no. that. You know what I'm saying? Facts. No, that's facts. That's facts. All right, man. So we're going to wrap it up, man. I want to appreciate, I mean, I want to thank you and, and tell you I appreciate you for jumping on and doing this podcast with me, man. Um, thank you for Doing this episode, me, bro. Um, and anybody out there, stay tuned in. Check out my brother Arsonist with what he got coming. Um, and it's real simple. As I tell everybody when I end the show off, the one thing you need to continuously do is keep checking those credits, y'all. You know what I'm saying? So we out. Peace.